Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. We should never be so busy in a worship service that we can't stop and pray. If there's somebody here today, and your burden's too heavy, you just can't carry it by yourself, and you need to pray about it, and you need to do it right now. Now, I have a message I'll preach, but first, why don't we do an altar call? If, if you have a heavy burden, it could be physical, it could be financial, it could be a relationship burden. You have a burden and you just can't carry that burden by yourself. You don't even want to try to do it anymore. You need the Lord's help, you need your brothers and sisters in Christ. Then the altar is open. Why don't you come right now about this altar? Come on. Come on. The enemy does his work too well for there not to be many of us here today. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. God is a very present help in trouble. The Bible says, cast all of your cares upon him, because he cares for you. For those who are still seated in the house Would you stand with me? Would you extend your hands toward these at the altar as we help bear their burdens? We don't even know what their burdens are, but God knows. Father, right now in the strong and wonderful and beautiful name of Jesus, we ask you, Lord, the Lord our hope, the Lord our Savior, the Lord our healer, the Lord our Redeemer, the Lord our sustainer, we ask you, Father, to touch every one of these who have humbled themselves and bowed at this altar. We pray, Father, that Your Word will become living and true in their lives. We pray that their burdens will become easy. (laughs) Uh, And easy simply because You are under that burden with them. Father, we pray that You will bless and heal and restore and open and close doors according to Your will. We ask, Father, that You will forgive and cleanse that You'll make holy, that You'll sanctify. Father, that a wind, a fresh wind, a a fresh breath of heavenly air, as it were, will wash over these individuals. Lord, we pray that as they came in to this worship center today, heavy burdened about something, that they will leave here knowing (laughs) that that burden is in Your hands that you're in charge, that you have not forsaken them or forgotten them. Lord, we pray that you will hear our cry. And we, those of us who are standing, lift our hearts to heaven on their behalf. And we ask that the windows of heaven will open above them and that you'll bless them abundantly as only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
I know many of you are like me. I, I love these new songs that we sing today. I believe every generation should sing new, fresh worship songs to the Lord. But I also love those old songs of the faith, don't you? <laughs> if you'll trust and never doubt, He'll surely bring you out. Man, <laughs> trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Man. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Jude. Jude is the next to the last book in the Bible. It's just before the book of Revelation. And the title of the message today is The Enemy Within. The Enemy Within. Now, we're in a study of this little book of Jude, and it's just a short little book. It only has 25 verses. And last week I kind of introduced you to the man himself. And Jude is a very interesting person, in my opinion. Think about this. This puts him in a very special family. Jude was the son of Joseph and Mary. He was the brother of James. He was the younger half-brother of Jesus. And in verse 1, as we saw last week, he referred to himself very humbly as a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude has come to the point in his life where he has realized that his elder brother was not just a brother, not just a half-brother, but he was the Messiah. He was the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And he calls him a bondservant, calls himself a bondservant of the very one that he grew up with. Well, now, Jude is short for Judas, but now don't get this Judas confused with the one who betrayed Christ. This is not the same Judas. This is the Judas, according to Mark the 6th chapter and Matthew the 13th chapter, that grew up in the home with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jude is writing this letter to believers, and he specifies who the real believers are. You remember last week in verse 1, we looked at that? He said, I'm writing to those who are called. They've been called by God. I'm writing to those who have been sanctified. That word sanctified means to be washed and to be made holy, and we know that's true only through the blood of the Lamb. And I'm writing to those who are being preserved in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jude says, I'm writing to the called, the sanctified, and the preserved. But what he does in this letter is he gives them a warning. Have you ever seen one of those flashing signs that says, warning, warning, warning? That's what this whole letter is about. He's writing to believers and he's giving them a warning about the enemy, and he's letting them know that the enemy has infiltrated their very ranks. That the enemy has come into the fellowship of the church. The enemy is no longer just somebody on the outside who hates the cause of Christ, who's fighting against the church. It's not just the emperor or the army or the worldly people outside. Jude is saying... They have come into the fellowship 
They've made their way into the body of Christ. I, I hope you'll forgive me for sharing this little story with you. But there was a man who was invited to a costume party in the inner city. And it was supposed to be a very special costume party, and so he really wanted to do it upright. So he decided he would go as the devil himself. So he goes and buys him a, a, a devil costume. And I mean, he gets something that's really authentic. He does the skin painting and his face. I mean, where he's just this ugly, horrible red. He has these very natural looking horns coming out of his head. He has a pitchfork. He has a forked tail. I mean, he looks like the devil. Well, he goes to the costume party, but he gets the address confused, and he ends up at a storefront church in the inner city. And he stands outside, and he can hear all the activity going inside. Now, in his mind, he thinks that's the costume party. And so he's thinking, you know, I've gone to all this trouble, and I'm a little bit late, and so I might as well take advantage of this. He decided that he would burst through the doors, and he would give a loud roar, and then a demonic laugh. So he does. He comes crashing in to this worship service. And he goes, ah! Preacher, deacons, teachers, choir, they all just evacuate the building. <laughs> they just leave. Everybody leaves except one lady. She's a little bit elderly. She doesn't move around real well. She was trying to leave. She just couldn't. She catches her purse on the end of the pew. By the time the dust settles, it's just the devil and her. Face to face. There was a moment of silence, and then she pointed her finger in his face, and she said, before you do anything, I want you to know, I've been on your side the whole time. Now, I share that story with you because that is exactly, that's exactly what Jude is saying. Jude is saying there are those who are in your fellowship, who are on the side of the enemy. They're on his side. They've never known Christ as Lord and Savior. They're involved in everything you are doing, but they've never been saved. Their, their motives are not Christian. They are self-seeking and self-serving. That's what they're all about. Jude is saying they are charlatans. They are hypocrites. These are individuals who parade themselves as being deeply spiritual, but they have no relationship with Christ Jesus at all. They're imposters. They're pretenders. They simply use the church for their own gain. That's what we will see in this book. And that makes them perfect pawns in the hand of the enemy to be used by him as he chooses. That, that's what this book is all about. And by the way, uh, Jude has some choice words for them. 
I mean, He exposes them. He identifies them. He blisters them with scathing condemnation. In fact, I just want to tell you, as you read the book of Jude, I think if there's any book in the Bible that you could say this about, as you read the book of Jude, you get the idea that He's mad. He's upset. He's angry. And I want to just stop there, friends, and I want to ask you a question. Whatever happened to righteous indignation? Whatever happened to the people of God getting angry? Now, I know the Bible says be angry and sin not, but I want to ask you a question, friends. If the enemy can take our children away, if he can take our government away, if he can take our churches away, if he keeps coming in, what will it ever take to make us angry? The enemy is attacking on every side and we're sitting around singing kumbaya as if everything's alright. My goodness. He was angry. And I got it. I want you to know, he didn't, he didn't spare any words as he blisters these deceivers. This is what he says. He says they're ungodly. Now we'll go through all these scriptures in a minute. But he says they're ungodly. He doesn't say they're just not as sold out to Christ as they should be. They're not even in the camp with Christians. They're ungodly. Listen to this. They turn the grace of God into lewdness and filthiness. He says by the way they live, they deny Christ completely. He says they're fornicators. They despise authority. They defile the flesh. They corrupt themselves like brute beasts. They are shepherds who are only feeding themselves. I, I just can't help myself. I've got to stop right here, friends. There are a lot of things in this country I don't understand. But right up at the top of the list is how somebody who's got two or three, I'm not exaggerating, two or three million dollar homes who owns and flies their own personal ten million dollar jet can get somebody who's living from payday to payday to send them their money so they can keep living in such a lavish lifestyle. I have no idea how that happens except the enemy is behind them. They are shepherds who only feed themselves. They're clouds without water. They're trees without fruit. They're stormy waves of the sea foaming up their own shame. They're wandering stars and out of darkness. They're murmurers, complainers. They're boasters. They're lustful. They're mockers. They're self-seeking. And they're always causing division. Because they're in the hand of the enemy. Oh, friends, I want you to know everything I just shared with you is in these 25 verses. It, it, it's all here. It is unbelievable. This is a godly man calling out the ungodly. This is a godly man doing the uncomfortable task of confronting deceivers and hypocrites and pretenders. And, and, and listen to this. This is not what Jude wants to be doing. He didn't even want to write this letter. Jude didn't want to write this letter. He, he didn't even want to be doing this. Uh, notice in verse 3, he said, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, that's what I wanted to write about. 
I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. See, Jude says, what I wanted to write about was this common and wonderful and good and glorious salvation which is common to all those who are in Christ. But I found it necessary to write to you about something else. I can't tell you how many times I or other preachers have gone to the pulpit wanting to preach on something, but the Holy Spirit said, no, you've got to preach on that. This is too urgent. You see, the enemy within is more important than him writing about the common salvation. There is an enemy within that we must recognize and stand up against. Our faith is being attacked by those within and we must contend for it. We must stand up for the faith. We must defend the truth and we must do it earnestly. It can't be something casual. Now, now friends, as I preach to you today and as we study this book of Jude, please don't just think about our little fellowship here. I, w- I want you to think about the big picture. I want you to think about all the churches in America and all the pastors that go to the pulpit. I, I want you to think about all those who are, who are pumping out spiritual literature, writing books today. I want you to think about those who are singing and those who are writing songs. I want you to think about our seminaries and Bible schools and the professors and what they're teaching. I want you to think about denominational leaders. I want you to think about all those who call themselves Christians. And friends, when you and I back up and look at the big picture, we have to confess that we're in a mess today. We're in trouble today. Let me tell you something, friends. The enemy of the church is not without. The enemy is inside the church. Watering down, defeating the whole cause of Christ. The enemy is within, deeply entrenched in the body of Christ. The enemy is here. I got to tell you, friends, they have slipped in That's what he says. He says they've slipped in and now they're doing their work. They're defiling and distorting the precious truths of our faith. Look at verse 4. For certain men have crept in. What does it say? Unnoticed. We didn't even know when it happened. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, friends, they've slipped in. And if you think the problem was bad in Jude's day, oh, can you, can, can you imagine what kind of language Jude would be using? If he were standing where I'm standing right now, the strong language of this book, wow! Man, Jude would be doing some tough preaching right now. Friends, we're in a mess, aren't we? The the church has been distorted. The church has been defiled. The church has been watered down. The church has been diluted. The church has come to the point where it looks like everything else in the world. We're no different. We're no better. And anybody else, we've abandoned the faith uh, as a, 
as a church. And again, I'm not just talking about us. I'm talking about the whole church. Uh, Let me just share. And these are just a few of the things that are going on in the church of Jesus Christ today. So so listen up, because this this is very disturbing. Uh, Let me begin with a couple of things that have been around for a while, and then we'll we'll move to some things that are pretty new on the scene right now. These are some ungodly movements going on in the world today, in the church world today. The prosperity movement. Oh, you know, don't you? You've heard it, haven't you? If you get right with God, guess what? He'll prosper you. God will meet your needs. God will bless you. You'll get right with God, and most of the time, somewhere in there, they give you their address so you can send them some money. If you'll just get right with God, He'll prosper you. Oh, you get right with God, you'll never be poor. You'll never not be able to pay your bills. Just get right with God. It's called the prosperity gospel. Oh yeah, and by the way, it's not just money. You won't ever get sick. As long as you keep the faith, you won't get sick. You get right with God, you're going to be healthy. You'll be wealthy. And you'll be wise. You'll be at the top. You'll be on top of the world. Come on, should I give an invitation right now? What's absurd is that people believe that stuff and it's ungodly. They'll tell you if you can't pay your bills this morning. They'll tell you that if you're sick, that you've lost the faith. Oh, friends, what in the world? What in the world? You and I have got to learn what the Word says so that we'll know when people start preaching things that have nothing to do with the Word, we'll know that that's somebody who's manipulating the Word of God for their own gain. We need to know that. By the way, are you aware of the fact, I hope if you're not, you need to hear this, the very men who penned the words of Scripture gave up their fortunes, gave up their families, gave up their wealth. Most of the men who wrote the Scriptures died in jail or they were executed. They were penniless. Oh, friends, do I think you'll be better off if you get right with God? Yes. Do I think you have, you'll have more money? Maybe not. If you get right with God, you've got to quit cheating on your income tax. You've got to start paying your bills. You've got to quit cheating your customers. I, really, I heard a testimony a while back. guy said, man, I thought I was going to get right with God and get rich. He said, I don't have half the money I used to have. But can I tell you, friends, that when you find true salvation, when you find Christ, when He lives in your heart, you've found something that's better than all the silver and the gold of this world. Oh, hallelujah. It is better. By the way, I have to share this with you. Proverbs 16, 8 says, and y'all don't have to pull this one up, better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. Oh, friends, listen. Start learning how to identify the prosperity gospel perversion. And that's what it is. Because i got to tell you, friends, it's just not right. 
Here, let me give you something else. The homosexual movement. Now, friends, I just got to tell you, America is in love with homosexuality. America is in love and infatuated with homosexuality. This nation of ours has fallen so far that there is a love affair with homosexuality. And rather than the church doing what Jude has done and standing up and saying, listen, we love everybody regardless of who you are. And if you're a drunk, a pervert, an adulterer, or homosexual, no matter who you are, God will save you and change you. And then He'll give you hope. But we will not endorse homosexuality. Do, do you understand that rather than take a stand, you know what churches are doing? They're opening their arms. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. If that's your lifestyle, it's okay. And, and then they're ordaining homosexual ministers. And then they're performing homosexual marriages. Oh, friends. God help us. Right is right and wrong is wrong. And it's time we understand. Listen, isn't it time that somebody, somewhere, some church, somewhere, some people, somewhere, some movement, somewhere, says, you know what? We hold to the Word of God. We hold to the Bible. We will stand on the truth of God's Word. And there are some people who believe the Constitution of the United States of America is a living document, ever-changing, and they don't care about the original intent of the Constitution. And friends, that's no different from a lot of churches. They believe the Bible is a, a, a living book that's constantly changing, and what was true a hundred years ago is not true now. Friends, that's perversion. That's distortion. I, here's another movement I need you to be aware of. The perverted grace movement. See, he talks about that in here. He says they've turned the grace of God into lewdness. The perverted grace movement. Oh, I hear people say it all the time. And I think I know what most of them mean. You know, I was saved by grace. I was just a dirty, filthy, ungodly, pitiful sinner. And God saved me. By the way, that is grace. But then sometimes they'll say, I was saved by grace, and now I live by grace. So I can keep being an old, dirty, filthy, pitiful, disgusting sinner, and it's just covered by grace. I'm all right. God loves me. Everything's fine. Friends, if you think grace is God allowing you to keep living in sin and be right with Him, then you have You've been sold a bill of goods. You've bought into something that's not even close to what the Bible teaches. Wow, I think I'm about to get as angry as Jude. <laughs> okay, I've got a couple more for you. So, uh, how about this one? <laughs> the nobody's going to hell movement. <clears throat> Oh, friends, that's everywhere around us. Nobody goes to hell anymore. I tell folks, I've been back in Wakulla County almost 30 years. I've been to a thousand funerals. Nobody goes to hell in Wakulla County. 
nobody. You can take a man who's a degenerate, cheated on his wife his whole life. He's a, he's a drunk. He's a pervert. He, he curses like a sailor. He's never darkened the doors of the church. And you go to the funeral and somebody stands up. He's in a better place. Really? My stars. And I want to tell you something, friends. I can almost forgive a family member for saying that, but I can't forgive a minister of the gospel who's supposed to know what God's Word says to get up and confer salvation on somebody that's lived like that and never called on Christ. I've got people right here in Wakulla County. If you haven't heard this, you probably will. Who are mad with me right now. They call me. They say, will you do his funeral for me? I said, no. No, I won't do his funeral. I told somebody, I've been here 28 years, and he never darkened the doors of this church. And I don't know if he ever darkened the doors of any other church. No, I won't do his funeral. Hey, I've got an announcement for you, friends. I know this is tough. People, right now, right here in Wakulla County are still dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ. We buy into this stuff. Oh, here's a good one. (laughs) It's all about me movement. Now, Now, we're not completely innocent in all of these, I want you to know. It's all about me. I, I tell you, every now and then I hear somebody get up and they say, Oh, God just loves me so much. God's just crazy about me. I'm His favorite. He just thinks I'm the most wonderful thing in the world. I just can't tell you how much God adores me. I, sometimes I want to say, seriously, sometimes I want to say, Well, go ahead and finish it. Go ahead and say what you really mean. Go and say, oh, God just loves me. God just adores me. God just bows down and worships me because I'm so wonderful. Friends, isn't that a little bit backward? Isn't that backward? Shouldn't we be saying, within me dwelleth no good thing, and I to perform that which is right I find not. I am but dust before God. Who is man that God would even be mindful of him? He's almighty God, and I'm crazy about him, and I love him, and I adore him. We get things all perverted, don't we? See, nobody goes to hell anymore. God loves us. God just worships us. We're just the best thing By the way, while I'm just rambling around, I don't like church signs. That's the reason we have one out there that says, River of Life never changes. River of Life. I don't care about church signs, but I did see one that I like. This is what it said. It said, whoever stole our AC unit, keep it hot where you're going. You got to love it. You got to love it. (laughs) I'd be amiss if I skipped over this one. (laughs) The liberation theology movement. Friends, we're in an election cycle right now. 
And I do want to tell you, if you go back and study the history of the liberation theology movement, it started out with good ideas and good intentions, but it has become perverted. And, the, and this is what liberation theology is all about, is when it comes to politics, I can vote for anybody I want to vote for. They don't have to be a Christian. They don't have to believe in the Bible. I'm not voting on a preacher. I'm just voting on, I, I'm voting on a, a governor or president. I, I, that, and, and all that matters is, is can he make me better? Can he make us better? Can he liberate us? Or can she liberate us? I, I'm, that's all that matters. It has nothing to do with the Word of God. Oh, friends, liberation theology? I've got to tell you, friends, your vote is you. Your vote is your convictions. Your vote should stand up for you what you believe in. And by the way, I'm not talking to Republicans or Democrats. I'm talking about all of us and all of them. I'm saying that if you're a child of God and you've bowed down to that which is holy and good and pure, the perfect plumb line of God, then how do you vote for somebody who blasphemes God and blasphemes His Word? Just because you think He'll make your life better. And by the way, I want to make the greatest announcement that will be made in America today. And you're going to hear a lot of it with these politicians. There is no politician who can save us. There is no Republican and there is no Democrat who can save us. They can't save us. Only Christ can do that. So... So don't get caught up in liberation theology. It's junk. It's garbage. Vote for somebody who, who stands tall for the Word of God and the truth of God. Now I know what somebody's going to say. Well, pastor, if I do that, I'll just be throwing my vote away. Well, friends, at least God will know who you voted for. At least God will know who you voted for. All right, let me give you one more, then we'll move on. Here's another movement that's just perverted and ungodly. It's the we all worship the same God movement. Doesn't matter if you call Him Allah or Buddha or Krishna or Christ. It doesn't matter. We all worship the same God. In fact, it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. Really? That, that's about as absurd as it gets. Friends, I, I know people who believe in trees. Really? And, and, and they believe the sun or the moon. Or, I mean, they, there's all kind of weird stuff. Now, I like trees. I just don't believe in trees. I, my goodness. Friends, don't buy into that. The Bible teaches us that there's one God and His name is Jehovah. In Hebrew, it's Yahweh. There's one God who created the heavens and the earth. And there's one Savior, His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrew, Yeshua HaMashiach. He is our Lord and He is our Christ. And the Bible says there's no other name given among men whereby men must be saved. There's no other name. There's no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father 
except by me. Oh, friends, we've, we've, we've got to be careful. And I want you to know this is just a sample. There's, there's so much going on that this book of Jude addresses. Look at verse 12. This is what he says about the enemy that has come within. Verse 12, these are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Look at verse 16. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to what? Gain advantage. I want to tell you, friends, there are ministers, so-called ministers of the gospel, that'll tell you anything you want to hear just so they can gain advantage of you. Jude 1.19 says these are sensual persons. They're not spiritual. They're sensual persons who cause divisions not having the Spirit. Jude 1.17 and 18 says, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own Ungodly lust. Do, do, you know, do you know what Jude is doing? Jude is saying to these readers, those early believers, he's saying that, that the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the way, I've got about 15 verses in my notes, and I can show them to you before you leave if you'd like, about all these verses saying that wickedness is coming after my ministry. Uh, 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 Raving wolves will come in among you and men will rise up in your fellowship who will distort the truth and there will be false Christ and false prophets. And what Jude is saying is, I don't have to go back over all this. Remember the words of the apostles. Remember what you've been taught. You've been told this was coming. And then this is what Jude says. Jude says, they're already here. See, all through the New Testament we're told, it's coming, it's coming. The false Christ, the false prophets, the false teachers, the hypocrites, they're coming. By the time you get to the book of Jude, he says, they're already here. They're already among us. And by the way, by the time you get to the next, la the next book, the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, five of the seven churches had already been deceived. Even to the point where Jesus said, if you don't straighten this out, I'll come and remove your candlestick. I, do you understand? Better not to have a church than to have a church that will not stand for the truth. Jesus said, said I'll take your candlestick away, which meant their light. I'll remove it. Oh, friends, we need to open our eyes today. We, we need to earnestly contend for the faith. Now, I'm not trying to get up a crusade. To go out in the world. But I am saying that one of the things we need to do is start with ourselves. Are we really genuine? Are we really following Christ? We need to start with our families. And then we need to start with this church. And we need to hold the banner and the truth of God's word up high. And say, you know what? We're not against anybody. We love everybody. We're for every person out there. Because we were once like them. And Jesus saved us. 
And we want you to come and know our Savior, but we will never compromise the truth and the standards of this church to accommodate you in your sin. We will never do that. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.